This Christmas season, we're in a series of messages called The Backstories of Christmas. And we are looking at this time at the backstory of light. We saw part one to this message last week, and I'll quickly review. Last time together, we saw that Jesus Christ, it came to be the light of the world. We came to see through this simple object lesson that as the light of the world, Jesus came to shine into our darkness, and he continues to shine. He can't be covered or blocked or extinguished in any way. And we as his followers are to, by yieldedness to the Holy Spirit and purity of life, position ourselves so that we reflect his light. The persons would see in our obedience to Christ the light of the world. And so we talked about that last Sunday. We talked about Jesus Christ came to be the light of the world. We also talked about Jesus Christ being the only light of the world. We ought to look for no other light. All of world religions that are not true are looking for light. But light has come in Christ. And no other light will be sent from the true God who is in heaven. And now this morning, we continue with the backstory of light, and we call ourselves, again, to shine on. You may be working in a workplace that's dark, and the only light of God, which they will see, is reflected through your work habits, through your speech, through your attitudes when your boss tells you to do something hard. You may be living on a street that people have religion, but they don't have the light in their life as yet. They haven't trusted Christ alone to be Savior. And you're on that street to shine the light of Christ at Christmas, to be vocal about the light come into the world. You may be studying in a school or a university, taking a break after your final exams, and you can get together with other students to celebrate Christ's birth. And maybe those students don't have any idea of why Jesus came. He's just a Christmas tree to them. He's just a wrapped package under a tree. He's just a party. You have been positioned in the lives of your student peers to take the light of God, Christ, and reflect his light to your friends. And when you go back to campus, when you go back to government school or private school or the University of the Bahamas or studying abroad at some college, you take the light of Christ. And you reflect it in those halls of learning. And so this morning, we continue the backstory of Christmas, which is light. And we consider that Jesus Christ shone as seen in an angel choir. Whoops. He shone in an angel choir. The night of Jesus Christ's miraculous birth. Thank you, Pastor Clinton. The night of Jesus Christ's miraculous birth, the light, the glorious light, the bright light, the true light, pierced the darkness of the night literally and pierced the darkness of the sin-cursed planet figuratively with Christ's birth. And it was celebrated by an angel choir, innumerable, a host of the heavenly choir, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on peace, goodwill among men with whom he is well pleased. 
And we have in the Luke 2 account these verses. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared and stood before him, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. May I interject? I guess so. They'd never seen that. And they'd never see it again. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which should be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Maybe they said, what? The Savior is a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a feeding trough? But they believed. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on peace on earth among those with whom he is well pleased. Believers, you say there's not peace in the Middle East. There's not peace other places in the world. There's not peace in the Bahamas. That's because the peace that the Prince of Peace, the light of the world came to give is for believers, People with whom God is well pleased, us. And the Prince of Peace making peace for us with God means that we have peace with other believers. Amen? Amen. We're not denominationally slotted. We're not narrow. If someone trusts Christ alone for salvation, they're our brother, they're our sister, and we have peace with them. We celebrate their progress in the Lord. We celebrate their churches growing. We're not in competition Peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. And so this virgin birth, this glory light, this one angel's light, this choir of angels light, (laughs) and the paradox of paradoxes, is the light burst onto the scene in a dirty manger. I'm sure Joseph wiped the manger out as best he could but it still had the vestiges of animals eating out of it. I'm sure they put a blanket, if they had one, in that feeding trough to try to make it as sanitary and as warm as they could for the baby Jesus. But make no mistake about it, rough-hewn lumber wasn't going to be clinically clean, like an operating room. And so the paradox of paradox is the light burst into the scene in a dirty manger, plus the celebration of that light burst into a night pasture of all places. Pasture on the outskirts of Jerusalem with shepherds. And so, dear body of Christ, whom I love, my brothers and my sisters in the Calvary Bible Church family, and all of our streamed visitors and viewers, I say, may the Christmas lights on your Christmas trees or the Christmas lights you see on the buildings in Nassau or wherever you live, when you see those Christmas lights, may those lights remind you that those little lights, those colorful lights, celebrate Christ, the light. And his arrival into the darkness of our planet, the darkness of sin and alienation from God, We were subjects of God's holy and righteous and deserved wrath. (laughs) But the light of the world burst in the darkness of our sinful planet to make 
fellowship, relationship, forgiveness, justification, sanctification, and ultimately glorification possible. Amazing. Utterly amazing. And now the point I'd like to make as this sermon progresses is that Jesus Christ's light directed the wise men. Jesus Christ's light directed the wise men. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They knew. Because there was a star. And the star had light because Christ the light gave the stars the star light. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. We don't know for sure how many wise men there were. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But the tradition is there were three, because the three gifts mentioned in Scripture, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There may have been more wise men, but we focus on three because of the three gifts. These men were not kings, but they came to find the king of light. These men were astrologers, students of the celestial bodies, the stars, the planets, the comets, etc. These were astrologers called magi. Some people thought they were magicians when they came from Persia. Persians thought that they, some did, thought that they were magicians because they could connect the movements of the celestial bodies to some understanding of the movements within humanity and history. All we can deduce from this star, this Christ star, which they followed, is that it was a miracle star. It was unlike any other star. It was a God-appointed star. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime star because it moved. (laughs) When you go to the night sky any given night, the stars don't move. In fact, before GPS systems, mariners chartered their way in ships and boats by the unmoving stars of the heavens. But this star moved. (laughs) This star moved. And it moved, and it moved, and it moved, and then it settled. And it stopped over Bethlehem and the place where the light of the world was born. And we see in Matthew 2.9, and having heard the king, Herod, that man of egomania who dictated infanticide, and having heard the king, they went on their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. Oh, Yes. A miraculous star, a a once-in-a-lifetime star. A star because of Jesus, the light. (laughs) And this star, as I said, it, it moved and moved and moved from Persia to what is now the modern land of Israel, and then it stopped right where the baby was. So that the magi, the astrologers, the, the ones who came the, to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords knew exactly where to find him. That star was a celestial, a heavenly GPS system. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
God did the miracle of having this special star's light gravitate to God's divine human light in the world. And yes, sometimes God does these things. You may ask, does God these days still provide miracles to guide those who are seeking him? Sometimes he does in our day. Sometimes God condescends and acquiesces to our need and does a miracle to draw those who are seeking him to find him, even as the wise men were seeking him and the miraculous star told them where to find him. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the currently, often we hear of one or more Muslims meeting the Lord Jesus Christ in their dreams or in their visions. And they are so struck about Jesus Christ, they believe in him as Lord and Savior, although it means being disowned by their families. It can mean being killed by their families. But they know through that dream that God gave them in grace or that vision that God gave them in his marvelous grace that this one of which the dream or the vision points is the light of the world. That being observed Currently, God most usually uses the light of the Bible to bring the inquirer, the seeker, the searcher for truth to Christ. That's the norm. These visions and dreams are exceptions. The norm is that God uses his holy word, his inscripturated word, his inspired word, his inerrant word, the Bible, to bring seekers for truth to Christ the way, the truth, and the life. Because every page of your Bible and mine is centered in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the core of our Bibles. It's his story. History is his story. And every page of God's word from Genesis to Revelation is centered on Christ. We can find Jesus Christ in all 66 books of the Bible. So the norm today What is typical today is God uses the light of the Bible to lead persons to the light of the world, Jesus. Someone has said, and I agree, if you want to sense God speaking to you, then read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, then read the Bible out loud. (laughs) Think about that. Don't listen for God's voice anywhere but in Scripture. That's the gift he's given us. That's the treasure of our redeemed hearts. And so in Psalm 119, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not my feelings. Not my interpretations of my circumstances. Not my Christian friends' opinions. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path because the light of Scripture is the light of Christ. They're the same. Christ's light shines in the Scriptures. Christ's light shines through the Scriptures. The Bible's light illuminates the right path to Christ who is the true light of the world. And so I sure hope that we all are in this word daily, even though the Christmas season is hustle and bustle and baking and buying presents and wrapping them and putting up trees and decorating our houses and whatever, in all of those activities, 
Stay in the word of God daily. It's the light that shows you the path to Christ. No other light will be given you to show you the light of Christ but the Bible. And so we don't let the busyness of the season deflect us or distract us from the word of God. And I just want you to know that since COVID has struck, all of the pastors, 15 of us, have certain lists that we phone of people in the congregation, members and regular attenders, every week. At least that's what's supposed to be happening. And when I phone my list every week, it gives me great encouragement at times when the people who pick up the phone to answer my call say, oh, thank you, Pastor. Thanks for calling. I was just reading the scripture. I was just spending time with God in my Bible. I love that. I love that. I love that. And so Christ's light directed the wise men. Christ's light, described by the Bible, directs us. So what have we seen so far? In this message, we've seen two things so far. Jesus Christ is a light that shone in the angel choir. And Jesus Christ is the light which directed the wise men. But there's more. Third point, this sermon, Jesus Christ's light illuminates daily life for believers. Jesus Christ's light illuminates daily life for believers. Second, or excuse me, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, listen. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that reason, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you, watch it now, out of darkness into his marvelous light. You live in Christ's marvelous light. You once were in the dark, groping around, trying to figure things out, living for yourself and the flesh. But God has translated you in your salvation out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. So put another way, Jesus Christ's light continues to illuminate daily life for believers. We who believe have changed our addresses from darkness to light. And that's in the here and now. That's not waiting for heaven. So you have a new address if you're a believer. And it's something like this. Believer, the mail is this. Mail to Believer Brother Smith, Christ's Kingdom of Light. And if anyone sends a mail to your old address, Brother Smith, Satan's Kingdom of Darkness, the letter is returned to sender because that's not your address anymore. Think of it. So far, let's review both sermons on light. Last week, we saw that Jesus Christ came to be the light for mankind. Second, we saw last week, Jesus Christ is the only light of the world. Third, we saw this morning, Jesus Christ's light shone in an angelic choir, and Jesus Christ's light directed the wise men, and Jesus Christ's light illuminates the daily life for believers. Oh, precious light. And last of the points on light, at least for this sermon, Jesus Christ's light is enough for heaven. You realize that? 
that Jesus Christ's light is more than enough for heaven. There is no other source of light in heaven. There are no lamps. There are no candles. There are no any sources of light except Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, glorified, the central person and object of worship in heaven. Jesus Christ's light is enough light for heaven. Revelation 22, 5. And there shall no longer be any night. This is heaven. There shall no longer be any night. And they shall not have need of the light of a lamp or of the light of the sun. There'll be no sun. In heaven, the eternal state, there will be no S-U-N. Amazing. We bank on the sun to grow crops. We bank on the sun now to bring tourists to the Bahamas and other things. No sun in heaven. No S-U-N. And so the backstory of Christmas that we're focusing on is the light. Jesus Christ, the light. So let me ask you this. Let me ask me this. Are we reflecting Christ's light this Christmas season? Is the flashlight of Christ's light shining on the mirrors of our lives that are positioned in the full control of the Holy Spirit and submission to obedience to the Spirit of God in the Scriptures? Are we reflecting the light this Christmas season? Could it be, as I said earlier in the message, that the only light that your workplace is going to see is the reflected light of Christ? Or could it be that among this church family, through a telephone or through social distance greeting after this service or on Tuesday night, that the only light, Christ's light, reflected through your life can bring light to a brother or a sister in Christ who's discouraged, who's disoriented, who's downcast, that the light of Jesus would shine through us to those kind of Christians. I'm talking about Christians. Could it be that the only light that your children are going to see in your home is the Christ light reflected through your mirror to them? They're getting all kinds of counterfeit light, probably, through media, Probably they're getting counterfeit light. Could you be the only genuine Christ light that your children, your grands, will see this Christmas? Oh, the importance of situating our mirrors so that we reflect the light of the world to others. Could it be that those who come on Boxing Day, December 26, discouraged, hungry, not knowing where their next meal will come, unemployed, physically handicapped, people that the bustle and hustle of so-called normal life in NASA overlook? Could it be the only true light that these precious souls are going to see is when we position the mirror of our life on the light of Jesus Christ and shine it on them through our masks, just through our eyes? (laughs) Just the accepting look through our eyes as we give them their meal and say a kind word to them a helpful word to them, a gospel word to them. Every meal is going to have a gospel tract with it. Pray about that. That after they enjoy a good, hearty, 
delicious Christmas meal, but they'll read that tract and respond to Christ in faith. And that that tract will not have a shelf life of one person, but they'll pass that tract on to other family members that they would read it and trust Jesus as Savior. Or they'd pass it on to someone else they know that they would read it and they would become Savior uh, Christians. Or they would leave that tract on the ground and somebody passing by would find that tract and find the light of Christmas light, Jesus as Savior. Christmas is the backstory to we've seen of two messages of light, of light. And so this morning, may we be grateful for the light. And may we reflect the light, the only light that heaven's going to dispatch to earth. And we say with the Apostle Paul in the second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 9 and verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the light, (laughs) Christmas. Let's pray. Worship, worship, worship. The shepherds did. The wise men did. Joseph did. And Mary did. May we do the same. And may our worship look like positioning the mirror of our individual lives on the light come into the world, the light of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may the reflection of his light bring his light to others who are in darkness still. And we pray this in his illuminated name. Amen.